0: then they hit themselves in the middle of that group and they attacked our officers, set our police cars on fire. We never thought in a hundred years this agency would find itself at the forefront of fighting
1: Antifa. Greetings and welcome to this month's edition of the FBI National Academy Associates Leadership APB podcast series. My name is Tony Bailey, and I'm the director of education and training for the association. Today's podcast is sponsored by 511, 511 always be ready. 511 Tactical, your head-to-toe uniform supplier, serving those who serve for over 20 years. Shop
0: 511tactical.com. Always be ready.
1: Our topic for today's episode is collaboration for enhanced police operations through the Atlanta Police Department. Today, we will be featuring the City of Atlanta Police Department, Chief Darren Sherbaum, a native of Southern Illinois, Chief Sherbaum joined the Atlanta Police Department in 2002 after serving 10 years with the Johnson County, Illinois Sheriff's Department. Chief Sherbaum has held numerous roles throughout his tenure with APD, working his way through the ranks in which he was appointed to be the 26th chief of the Atlanta Police Department by Mayor Andre Dickens in October 2022. Chief Sherbaum holds a bachelor's degree in criminal justice for Herzing University and a master's degree in public administration from Columbus State University. He is a graduate of the Atlanta Police Leadership Institute, Tier 5, and a graduate from PERF, Senior Management Institute for Police, Session 76. Chief Sherbaum is a resident of the Midtown community and enjoys spending his off time at bookstores and exploring historically significant sites in and around the city. And now it's my pleasure to introduce my friend, Chief Darren Sherbaum. Welcome, Chief. It's great to have you joining us on today's podcast.
0: Well, Tony, good afternoon, and certainly glad to I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation.
1: We're excited to have you. Chief, as you are intimately aware, what started out being an incredible opportunity for you guys to build a much needed public safety training facility has turned into a national topic of discussion and an ongoing battle, to say the least. I, like many of our listeners, truly only know what we see on the news and in social media. So I guess we should start from the beginning. Can you tell us about the history of the current training facility and why this new project is so important?
0: Uh, Absolutely, And and you're right, Tony, there's a lot of misinformation uh, that's at play, disinformation that's purposely put out there that's inaccurate. So I appreciate this opportunity to give some clarity and factual information. As everyone that is listening to this podcast knows, as law enforcement uh, professionals, we have to be two things at all time to our communities. We have to be very good at what we do and we have to be trusted, trusted when we arrive on the call and trusted when we leave the scene. And the only way we accomplish that as law enforcement professionals, that we have quality training. And to have quality training, you have to have a quality training infrastructure. And and while the Atlanta Police Department is the largest law enforcement agency in the state of Georgia, and our Atlanta Fire Rescue uh, brothers and sisters uh, down the hallway are the largest firefighting agency in the state, we have contended with subpar training facilities for decades. Uh, we recently had to leave our 1954 era grade school, which was taking the place of our training academy. We moved into some rented space at a local university, which we we're proud of, but that was what we were calling our academy for years. It was old, outdated. It was created for, you know, third and fourth graders to learn in. And then we had no EVOC facilities whatsoever of our own. We are fortunate that neighboring jurisdictions allow us to use theirs. We have to drive an hour south of the city uh, to f- finish our driver training at the uh, Gypstick, Georgia Public Safety Training Facility. And we have zero mock villages or tactical villages. Again, we have to depend on neighboring agencies to provide those. So it really makes us uh, to be hostage to the calendar and the clock of other agencies when they can accommodate us. It impacts how often we can train in certain key areas. And so, uh, under the Bottoms administration and now led by Mayor Dickens, the decision was made to invest in the training of the Atlanta Police Department Fire Rescue by creating a state of the art 85 acre joint fire and police training facility, something that most residents probably think already exists. I'll give you this example, Tony. Our fire department doesn't even have their own burn tower uh, to practice how to rescue citizens from a, a house on fire. Uh, they have to drive to another county some distance from the city to be able to complete that training. So now we have the ability to live up to the expectation of the residents of Atlanta and the visitors to our city. This fire and police department is properly trained and we're arriving with the skill sets. We need to be very good at what we do. And as, it, as, you, as you're listening, Listeners know this impacts our retention and our recruitment capabilities to not have quality training facilities. It's no surprise that we lose officers to neighboring jurisdictions that have made investments in their training. So this is allowing us to uh, be optimal in recruiting optimal in retention and as the landscape changes to what we're called to as a law enforcement agency that we're training properly to arrive, uh, being very good of what we've been asked to do by the citizens.
1: That's interesting information. Um, I I can attest uh, I've seen the original facility there and uh, it it is long overdue and I can not imagine the uh, struggle it is for your training division to try to circulate all your personnel, both from the fire and the police side, especially if you're depending on other agencies and other entities to provide the space for that training, it's it's not easy. Uh, so I, that's, that's definitely a difficult situation you guys are in. So knowing how important this is and knowing the need for it, what are some of the obstacles that you have faced through this project? I, I know this is uh, probably not News to a lot of people, but I bet majority of our listeners would be surprised at some of these obstacles.
0: since the project's been announced, there's been over 30 arson attacks across the country. Many of them have been here in the state of Georgia, uh, but there's been a number of arson attacks that have occurred. The effort by the opposition, and I hope we get into where this opposition has originated from, uh, but the opposition is trying to stop the project by uh, eroding public support in Atlanta causing the Atlanta City Council and our current mayor's administration to stop the project, to make first responders afraid, and then specifically to target the contractors that are building the public safety training. center. there's been an all out effort uh, to stop that. So I think it's important to begin here. This has never been a conversation about Building a training center to protect the environment or the police are becoming militarized. The group that has championed this, that is using violence, they've been cleverly pulling other people in. They don't want to see police anywhere. Notice closely. The hashtag isn't defund the police. The hashtag is abolish the police. So let's go back just a little bit. Hope that one day you can come and visit our new training center soon. We will be moving in December of this year if we stay on track. But it's being built in an area very close to our current uh, range and where our old, old academy used to be. And right next door was some land in DeKalb County where a uh, movie studio was expanding. And so the county of DeKalb and this movie studio entered into an agreement to swap some property. Uh, One Portion of the property was going to go to the movie studio. And on the other portion, uh, there was going to be a new park, the Michelle Obama Park built for the residents of that area. And there were some eco terrorists that were angered by this. They immediately moved in and started encamping themselves in that wooded area, not to allow the park to be uh, built. And they started burning the construction equipment of those that were uh, building Michelle Obama Park. And then here we came along and we announced that right next door, we were going to build a, an, a new public safety training center for the betterment of this city. And so under the guise of protecting trees, uh, the attack started against public safety because the, the, this group has also been present across the country, protesting pipelines, uh, lumbering operations, other uh, investments in public safety by different areas. So this group has a national footprint, actually international footprint. We've arrested and detained individuals from France and Canada. Uh, they moved across Encrenchment Creek and started camping in the area the Public Safety Training Center was coming to stop its construction. The same fires they were using against the construction of Michelle Aron Park, they turned on this agency and they turned on individuals that were building the Public Safety Training Center. This group was already here anyway for that reason. And then they were very clever in spreading disinformation and misinformation. They're still... Rumors floating around Atlanta. If you're in the right coffee shop or or the right brewery at the right moment, you'll hear that we are be landing Black Hawk helicopters out there. You'll hear that the uh, police department has purchased Army tanks uh, that will be moving out there. We'll be training foreign militaries on our site. And and if you're a person that cares about where your public safety money is going, that would be alarming, right? Who wants to have their police department suddenly? Uh, being the military and and training a foreign uh, military. And so some people came out and they wanted to protest that because that sounded wrong. If that were true, I'd be in that same protest, but it's not true. And so this group pulls citizens into peaceful protests and they hide themselves in the middle of it. and They attack law enforcement. Same thing about trees. This area, if you go back to the 1990s, and look at the aerials. So this was all open farmland because it was farmland in its original intent. It was part of a correctional facility there that had farming uh, as part of it. And over the years, evasive species has grown it up. So if you just look quickly, it does look like a lot of trees uh, that were being torn down. But that's not the case. This is all evasive species uh had only grown up in the last 20 or so years. And so they pulled people into this uh, debate because they cared about the environment and trees. And then they hid themselves in the middle of that group and they attacked our officers, set our police cars on fire. Uh, and so it's it's very interesting. We never thought in a, in 100 years this agency would find itself at the forefront of fighting Antifa. And we've been fighting Antifa now over, for almost two years as they've tried using some very dangerous and extreme tactics against law enforcement uh, to stop the project. But if it worked for the partnerships uh, that we've developed with our federal and state agencies and regional agencies, uh, we would not be within 11 months of opening this facility.
1: 11 months is, uh, that's right around the corner. It is, yeah. Ac- according to the news, you would think that this thing is still at ground zero and hasn't even, you know, started. So, so you did mention this part being uh, Antifa. That's really, Driving the force behind this, I have having the pleasure of uh, working with you in one of our other leadership forums out in uh, Utah, and I remember someone in the class coming up that works for another state agency that's going in the early stages of trying to build a training center as well, and they had made mention that they had started getting some not just emails but um, post social media postings on people that are against this one. What would you say to any of our listeners that might be facing these obstacles on the front end, small, might seem minor in nature? What what kind of advice could you give them to start paying attention to, to kind of avoid some of the pitfalls and obstacles that you've faced? That's a
0: great question, Tony, because there's a lot of lessons learned for us. I would say first and foremost, don't assume that everyone knows the value of public safety training uh, and for police training and for fire. So immediately start your efforts educating the public about the importance of the training center, what it will be used for, what it won't be used for, and its unique role in equipping the men and women who are entering uh, the service of law enforcement for their community of what the value and the role of it is. And that starts because what Antifa needs is the ability to bring out misinformation, rally people onto the street and then use them as a cover. And so you want to start now building the framework of why this is important. Now build broad community support for the initiative and just don't assume that people understand its importance and its role. And we see it, we know it. Every your listeners are all law enforcement professionals. Don't assume that everyone knows what you know. And be aware that Antifa wants to see the deconstruction of proper government, proper law enforcement, and they know if they can remove our training then we are not good at what we do and we're not trusted by the community. And they know they have to go after that to start building up on their desire to see a a complete reorganization of American democracy. And it's actually that big, Tony. I'm not just using words that, you know, know, this is what they want to do. And if they can remove the police as being trusted and good, uh, then that's one step to see uh, them removing good government in our country. So start there and then start assessing uh, your relationships with all your other agencies. The Atlanta Police Department cannot be winning in this fight alone. We still have to protect Atlanta. We have to provide police services to 245 neighborhoods. We have to protect large events that are coming here. And so when TIFA arrives for a week of action and they attack us in broad daylight, literally with fireworks and rocks and, and and shovels, you will see that we are countering that with Georgia State Patrol, Department of Natural Resources, the Fulton County Sheriff, the Clayton County Sheriff, uh, the Cobb County Sheriff, the Gwinnett County Sheriff, the Sandy Springs Police Department, right alongside of us. The Georgia State Patrol has been phenomenal in this space. The Georgia Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, the ATF, we're winning because we have a broad coalition of law enforcement partners that help us protect the first amendment but make sure we hold antifa at bay and we arrest them and so start assessing now what does your partnerships look like And, and tony those partnerships have been key because we can tell that part of the desire of antifa was to tie down our police resources to the point Uh, that we were no longer an effective agency and we actually saw communication to that extent they wanted to overwhelm our ability to manage the protests make arrests and because of our partnerships we were never in that space we had partners with us on the street uh, protecting legitimate protests partners with us on the street making arrests uh, partners on the street with us uh, protecting key city assets Uh, So, other Atlanta resources could be out answering 911 calls. Uh, The desire to bog us down never came to fruition because of our partnerships and i really encourage every all your listeners everyone that's part of the fbi national academy to never lose sight of those partnerships they developed when they were in the national academy because that's how we're successful we all deal with limited staffing limited budgets limited capabilities and it's funny if you watch antifa they really brag about their their ability to have infinity groups how they can grow and evolve and and throw the police off well we have the best affinity groups ever we have partners all across the country that we can call on. And and that's been key for us being successful. So my second advice after first, educate your community about what your project's about and stay on top of that effort. Two, assess your partnerships, know what the capabilities are that everyone has and how they can join you. uh, And then plan. Uh, We've done a number of tabletops with our partners where we have role-played large protests, small protests, sleeping dragons, efforts to uh, take over uh, public hearings. Uh, We've tabletopped a number of areas to see where our limitations were and what did we have to invest in. Uh, Now assess what your comms are like with those agencies. Do you have common channels that you can share and invest now in an encrypted channel that everybody can use? Because this group is very shrewd in having individuals that their only job to do is to listen to uh, the communications that they have access to and to know where the police are deploying, where they're going, where they're staged at. Uh, They deploy their counter surveillance teams, too, as well. And then we will see appearing on different platforms actual maps of where they believe we have personnel staged, what those personnel are equipped to do. And so having the ability to know that they do that. They record our radio traffic on unencrypted channels and they look at that for tactics that we may employing and vulnerabilities we have. So start developing your, your programs now around that and make sure as you get into space that may go across multiple jurisdictions, you've accounted for your mutual aid agreements to that you're covered there. And Tony, just also be aware they're going to use fear and intimidation everywhere they can. They have doxxed our officers repeatedly. Uh, I know our partners at the Georgia State Patrol have had neighborhoods they live in, flyers have been placed around calling them murderers and talking about where they live, saying there's blood on their hands. Companies that are building the training center, their employees have had flyers placed on cars at the churches they worship at. They've had their homes targeted. So know that there's going to be an effort to use fear and intimidation at every angle. And you want to be ahead of that. You want to be up front with the media that it's occurring. You want to hold training now with those private companies around the optimal security, how to protect yourself from being doxed. And I would also encourage everyone to do this. You can't see it, but I'm holding in my hand the direct action manual. For Earth First, this is the third edition, and it's a rather thick document, but they tell you every tactic they're going to use against the police. It's in there, and they have followed this document almost to the T, and we have studied this document. We looked at how they're going to do on ground blockades, how they're going to monitor our communications, how they're going to uh, thwart arrests, how they're going to intimidate. uh, It's all in there. And this is a manual they have been very religious of following. And I'm sure right now they're crafting the fourth edition uh, because of tactics we've employed here. And we actually brought in professionals from from the Oregon State Police and the National Forest Service who have been up against these groups who use the direct action manual. And they have been an important resource for us to use to craft strategies uh, to counter this group.
1: That's some amazing information there, and definitely some words of wisdom for for anyone to get get ahead of this on the front end. As you say, you know, you talked about other officers and you know officers and other jurisdictions being targeted, and the construction. Um, How important has it been for you to keep your relationship? thriving and connected with the elected officials that I'm sure also receiving some backlash for this as well.
0: Yeah, that, that is vital. That I would I would fold that in Tony. This is a great question and on the education phase of informing the community. You're going to have to educate, work closely with your elected officials, be it a county board or be it a city council, so they understand the importance of training to public safety. And for us to be what we need to be to their constituents within their time of crisis. And so what we've seen here is an effort to threaten our city council members to change the vote. And I'm talking about threatening their life, right? There was a period of time, every city council member in Atlanta was offered police protections and the vast majority, those who were voting in favor uh, of the project had a police car of this department sitting outside of their, their home. And we had to do that for a period of time because of the threats that was being lodged against them, and then efforts to disrupt the council proceedings, uh, efforts to uh, convey threats through that. And we are very fortunate here that the vast majority of the Atlanta City Council, a super majority multiple times, has not succumbed to fear and intimidation. They can continue to support the project because they see the importance of it. And we're also fortunate that the majority of Atlantans are rallying behind this project, and they know uh, that this is something that's needed for their city, and our city council sees that. But be aware, uh, misinformation will be used to bog down the proceedings. Threats against the life and safety of elected officials is something that you're likely to see, and you have to be in a position to counter it and to mitigate it.
1: Well, wow, that's, a, that's a lot going on. And, uh, you know, a, as we get back to the beginning of, of this podcast, you know, it's— uh, What started out to be just a wonderful opportunity to build a a public safety training center that's been needed for, you know, quite a few years now um, has just turned into this crazy, you know, national topic of discussion and and battle for what appears to be no reason whatsoever other than than what you, you laid out for us. Chief, I really appreciate you and I want to thank you for your time and sharing this incredible story with us. Um, Is there any last minute words of wisdom you'd like to share with our listeners before we close? Partnerships matter.
0: We only succeed. And right now we're talking about fighting Antifa next year. There's going to be another issue that's at table. Uh, But we only keep our community safe and maintain the trust of the community by working closely together. And so just continue to invest in that for everyone that's listening to your podcast. And just to tell them thank you, this is such an important profession. This is the most noble profession. Uh, The Constitution is only a lofty ideal unless there's men and women willing to ensure the Constitution is at play. And the law only protects the weak and those that don't have the means to protect themselves if men and women are willing to go out and do this job. So thank you for everyone that is serving their community. Continue to encourage people to join this profession. Uh, When you go back to work uh, the next day, encourage the men and women that are doing this job because it is law enforcement that is going to keep the Constitution at play. It is going to be the bedrock for our republic, and we should never lose the sight of our role we have in keeping this a great nation. And I just appreciate everything the FBI does, every agency represented in the National Academy Association for what you do for our country and your respective communities.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. And, and the same for you and your men and women. You know, we'll keep lifting you guys in our thoughts and prayers. And uh, if there's anything that we can do from the FBI National Academy Associates to assist you guys in your training endeavors in your new facility uh, as well, we, uh, we definitely uh, want to be a part of that. We appreciate it. Thanks for your time today. Yes, sir. This concludes this episode of our Leadership APP podcast series. Thanks again to our sponsor, 5.11. 5.11, always be ready. Please join us again next month for another edition of our APP podcast series. Until then, stay safe and be well.